Before we get started, I just want to open us in prayer. So, dear God, we come before you. We thank you for this day. Lord, we ask, and I ask that you speak through me in the message that you want said today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I want to take a little dive into a topic that we've kind of been dancing around and talking about during our, our series we've been going through. And it's tied in cl- very closely to, the, to some of the topics. Depression, anger, hate, trauma, and grief. All those things are tied to this one thing. <clears throat> it is a root problem that really is has perforated an entire generation. It is a mindset and mantra. I wouldn't just say one generation, probably multiple generations. And that mindset is, do what you please with no regard for consequences. But there is nothing ahead but death anyway. Just believing there's nothing. Emptiness at the end. Just a hollow void. And during this entire time, this root keeps pulling on our hearts to find things that will cure our boredom, to look for hobbies or things. And then we find it, and we're excited, and it brings us satisfaction. But as time goes on, it's not as fun anymore. And then it leaves another empty space. This root problem also continues into things that are not so good. Maybe drinking too much. Maybe taking another pill in hopes to take away that emptiness that we feel. It keeps centering around an empty spot in our hearts. I'm jumping ahead here. This root problem has an interesting characteristic, too. It doesn't see far ahead because it only thinks about today. There's nothing ahead but death anyway. So why would it look ahead? But the root problem that I believe in, I'm pretty sure you can all agree, is hopelessness. Our entire world, and I've, I've traveled to a lot of countries, thankfully, and I've seen a lot of different perspectives, and I think in our country, mostly, prominently, I'd say, hopelessness is the key root problem in our culture. There is nothing ahead, so might as well just do what you please. There's nothing to look forward to, no end goal in sight. <clears throat> so I would like to define hope for us. It's antithesis of hopelessness. Hope, something anticipated with joy and expectation. To cherish and anticipate with joy. That's the dictionary definition. And the Greek word for hope, in in the sense that we're going to be talking about today, is called elpis, E-L-P-I-S. It's a fun one. Expectation, hope, trust, and confidence. Expectation, that empty pit. We expect something. And our generation is built on hopelessness. And now I want to define hopelessness. Hopelessness is a synonym of despair. The dictionary definition of of despair is complete loss and absence of hope. It is its antithesis, the opposite of hope. Despair and hope. Both sides of the same coin. And just like that, that mindset that we have whether we have the mindset of despair or hopelessness, can lead us and tilt us towards that line of thinking. Let me explain it a little better. Let's say our bodies, our souls, our planes. 
I work in kids' church, so I use a lot of analogies, so you'll have to just imagine with me here. We're going to be a little creative today. So, your captain and how you view the world is birthed from either hopelessness or despair. Hopelessness or despair. Despair can take control when hope is neglected. If we don't have substantial amounts of hope in our hearts, and we only get one true hope, and that's God. God is the true provider of all hope. If we lean into the things of this world, hoping in the things of this world, very quickly, if we're not careful, can lead us into a heart of despair. Who we have in the captain's chair determines our outlook and how we push forward in life. Be mindful of who you have in the captain's chair, hope or despair. So our first bit of scripture that we're going to go through today, we're going to jump around a bit, but it's in Romans chapter 12. We're going to jump around, but the bulk of it I'd say today is in Romans. So we're going to start in chapter 12, verse 2. Excuse me. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Okay, I've read the scripture. I think that's all I need to preach on today. God's will is perfect. We need to follow that. The end. (laughs) Well, let's expound a little bit more. The, The important part I want to take away from this verse is the way we think, our mindset, hope or despair. If we're feeling the weight of despair more than we are, the joy, found in hope, in God's hope for us. We need to reassess who is in control of our vessels. How we remedy this, and if we're seeing our life full of more despair, looking for things in this world to satisfy what that hole in our heart is, is to apply God's promises in Scripture. Because last I checked, God's promises don't return empty. I don't trust the things of this world to fulfill the emptiness in my heart. I trust in the things of God to fill the emptiness of my heart. By feeding our hearts God's promises, we grow stronger than despair. Despair gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and hope grows bigger. The more we have God's word in our hearts, the less our perspective in our life leans towards despair. It's very easy. We've all done this. Despairing at how, if I have enough money this, this month, do I have a good job? We can all give in to despair. Can I provide for my family? I need food. I need clothes. I need a car. All these things. We can all and all have a tendency to give in. But God's promise is that he will provide for us. He will meet our needs. And he will fill our hearts with joy. So our mindset is determines our outlook. And the more hope we have, the more we are a light to the world. So now we're going to jump back into Romans a couple chapters to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 18. I love Romans. It's probably my favorite book, actually, I would say. Chapter 8, verses 18 and through 21. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all 
against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. The future glory is a mindset of hope. Having God's kingdom in mind and his promises, the promise that he will give us, having the future glory is looking ahead. Because despair can't look ahead. Despair only has power in the moment. Hopelessness only has power in the moment because it is hopeless. Hope is ahead. Hopelessness stops in your moment. Is it, hopelessness is only in the present. Hopelessness can never affect your future. Hopelessness will only affect you here and now, in the present time. <clears throat> only God can truly fulfill our hope. God is the only cure for that empty hole that we have inside. Only God can satisfy our deep longing for love, peace, and joy. All the things that our hearts really crave and need, not just want, the things that our hearts need, can be found in him. Only God lasts forever. Only God can, fulf can fulfill and outlast everything in the world, even some of the good things that he allows us to have. Even those good things eventually end. Only God provides permanent healing for our broken heart, not a temporary band-aid. The world promise, tries to promise a permanent fix to the need in our hearts. It tries to provide something as a substitute for hope because it can't give it. Our, our world itself is degrading. It is breaking down, and it cannot provide something permanent. <clears throat> Only God can fulfill that need. God will never leave us nor forsake us. He is lifter of our heads, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Quite the opposite of despair. Now we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 7. I love this one. Verse 24, Matthew 7. <clears throat> Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I promise I'm, I'm trying to withhold my narrator voice when I'm reading this, because downstairs, sometimes the only way I could get the kids' attention is to read them in a comical voice. Last week, for example, I had to sound like a grandma and read, what was it? I forgot what it was. I think it was about, it was New Old Testament marching into battle, and I had to sound like a grandma doing it. That was interesting. <laughs> Side note. So if you hear them laughing downstairs later, that's me. You can thank me for that. So why would we willingly make and build our house on sand, the temporary things, instead of a house built on a solid foundation. We know the world has storms and all that crazy fun stuff, so I got some things for us, yeah? So let's say this lovely little empty box here is all the promises the world tries to give us. It tries to promise us, gives us hobbies, we can have a hobby. I like, I like riding motorcycles and playing video games. I'm a relatively simple dude. That's it. That's it for me. It could be sports. You could be into sports. 
Could be cars. I like cars. Could be anything that the world says can fulfill our desires. Maybe a relationship that is not too healthy for us. Even those things that appear good, but are not good. So, let me grab this here. I am, a, I am attempting to put my expectations, something that will, I will find satisfaction in, on something that I don't think would really hold me. I don't think this is strong enough. But if I don't know any better, this is it. So what do I do when I put my, my faith in this? I try to stand on this. It don't work. It crumbles way too easily. By putting our faith in something that will eventually end, I bent the paper, <laughs> in something that will eventually end will lead to this. Now, sometimes if you're pressing into it, you might go, oh, no, I broke this box. I need to find another thing to put my faith in. I put it in that one, and then another one, and then another one. Eventually, I'm going to just hurt my foot, or I'll fall over. In the end, it just hurts. So why would I invest in those things when I have something better? This was fun. It was buried in dirt outside of my house. So if I put my faith instead in God's promises, his eternal salvation, all my expectations, all my hopes, will actually let me stand. Only God can fulfill the need in my heart and all my expectations. Only God provides this hope, this promise that he will fulfill all the emptiness in my heart. Only God can truly fulfill our hearts. That paper messed me up. Okay, so we're going to jump now to James 4, verse 4. Let's see here. Yeah, that's next. You adulterers, what a lovely intro. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. <clears throat> Our world by nature is tainted by despair. Eternity was taken away from the world when the curse came in. Its very nature is dying and degrading, just like sand is. Why ally ourselves with the temporary when God is eternal? All these eternal things. Our souls are eternal. Our spirits will last forever. Our physical flesh, it's going to pass one day. God will give us new bodies, the Bible says. So I need to invest in the thing that lasts forever, which is here. Only God can provide satisfaction for our souls. And it's important that we do it now because we don't know when we will expire. Just like the box, just like sand, even our bodies will crumble away. All that we suffer in this world now cannot compare or outweigh the gift of eternal salvation that God has promised us. Now, we're going to jump back into Romans chapter 8, and we're going to continue reading here, starting in verse 22. 
For we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For though we have the Holy Spirit with whoops, I'm reading again. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we, we don't, we don't, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So we have a foretaste, a glimpse of heaven, and that is God's spirit within us. Even though we groan under sin, to sustain this hope, this assurance that God promises us eternal salvation over here, to sustain it requires patience. How many of you guys know that when I really hold on to patience, eventually my grip starts to get tired? It's kind of hard and is hard to cling on to hope. But we, the only thing that can sustain us is holding on to a sure promise. And the Holy Spirit will give us strength when we are out of strength. Because our mind is not enough. The Holy Spirit is the foretaste and sustainer of our hope. So when, I'm, when my hope, ugh, when my hope is running low, I need to ask the Holy Spirit for strength to keep going. Because our flesh is still, it's not enough. Our flesh cannot be enough. <clears throat> and I also find great comfort in that. Because I, I suffer a lot. I know all of us suffer. I find great comfort that my hope is not going to leave me empty-handed because God's promises last forever. In verse 25, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. All that is required for us is patience and endurance and the promise that we will be with him always. That is the, pro- the sure hope that we have in God. Now, we're going to jump ahead to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So as I was trying to figure out how to articulate this, because I'm a visual person, I need an analogy or something. I was thinking, does it go hope, faith, and love, or faith, hope, and love? And then as I cross-reference throughout the Bible, it always mentions hope and faith or faith and hope. It does this thing all throughout the Bible. But I would say, based on what I've seen and studied, that our salvation starts with hope. Hope comes first. It's all like a rope that's weaved together. Can you pop the slide? Yes. And then the next one. Pretty please. Thank you. So, as I was looking at it, I realized faith, my faith in God, if I have faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, good. Do I hope for anything? Well, I need hope as well. But how did I get this with, by the love of God? And salvation is this rope. I got a rope over here. Let me grab it. Ah. 
See, this is why it's good to work in kids' church because you know what's downstairs. <laughs> so, this rope is salvation for our souls. I can trust in this rope. I have hope that this rope will hold me. All of us in this world will eventually die. So in a sense, we're all in an ocean and we need a lifeline. The only way that we can get this lifeline is to ask God for it. Three things will last forever. So if I have hope over here, I trust that this rope will hold me. What is faith and love then? All three of these together make salvation. I cannot separate one and expect the whole thing to work. I cannot have just hope. I cannot have just faith. I cannot have just love. I need to tie them all together to make something to receive salvation. I cannot separate the three. They are all tied and interlinked. But it starts with hope. Hope ties in first. It's cool. I feel like I have power wearing this for some reason. (laughs) Hope first ties into faith. We are not born with knowledge of God's salvation. We learn that. Knowing God, his will and commands and living out a godly life is faith. That would be the other one. So I got hope and faith. Faith is hope practiced after we receive it because it ties in first and then it becomes faith or a piece of faith or, I don't know, I can't separate them. We are supposed to tie the two together. Hope is trusting that the rope will hold, our lifeline. Hope is the thread of promise. I have received God's promise of salvation. God has promised me he will save my soul. So I have trust in this. I hope in this because he promised me. So a thread of hope in this three-piece rope here is promise, God's promise. The first thread is promise. Only God can fulfill our hope. Man, I'm flipping up. All my pages are messed up now. Sorry. Here we go. Got it. God is the antidote to all despair because I have this promise that he will save me. It would be the same if I threw a lifeline and it was made out of duct tape or, no, 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 scotch tape. We all know how brittle that is. If I'm drowning and someone throws me a long line of scotch tape, all of the things that the world tells me can help me and fill my heart will snap. It's not strong enough. It's not strong like this. It won't be enough. So the next thread I want us to dive into is faith. Now, first it starts with hope, and then we tie in faith. Now that we have a firm grasp on how hope works, faith is next. Faith is the application of living a godly life. So I have hope. I have an assured trust in God, his promise. Now I have faith. Faith is applying my hope to action. Now we're going to jump to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So how do we apply action to our salvation? Verse 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So the point of this thread here is to declare. And the definitions of declare, I looked it up for us to make it easy, is to make known, to set forth, and to explain. These are both Greek and Hebrew terms that didn't define which one, so I got both of them for you. Faith is action and declaration. We proclaim our faith in God. See, if I have hope here, God's promise, yes, I have his promise. Promise of what? That's where the knowledge part ties in together in this rope. So I have the knowledge part. And how do I get a firm grasp on this? I have to declare and proclaim my faith in God. If I declare with my mouth, I will be saved. So we got God's promise and declaring it, applying it to our lives. Faith is action, our action thread in this rope. So we got our promise and our action. Now, the last thread is love. So we're going to jump to John 3. Can you guess where I'm going next? (laughs) 16, yeah. John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In verse 17, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. As I was writing this, it kind of, it popped up in the same format, similar format, to the last thing I preached on, which was love. And love defined is in this verse. God so loved the world that he gave. Another word for give is to sacrifice. I'm giving a part of myself. I'm sacrificing a part of myself. I am giving love. I got faith, hope, and love. All three of these tie together to give us salvation. Because, like I said before, if all I have is hope, what do I hope for? Oh, faith and action. I need action. But where did I get this rope? I get it and have it because it was bought by God's love. God bought my salvation with blood, his blood. And all three tied together, I cannot really, really, no matter how hard I tried, separate these from my faith. From my salvation, I cannot split these into pieces. I cannot deny Jesus, which would be love. Because if I didn't, if if I denied Jesus, then this has not been bought for me, in a sense. In other words, I trust and have faith and hope in the rope, but if I don't accept Jesus as the one who gave it to me, I don't have it. I can't separate any single piece and expect to be saved. I need all three pieces. It starts with hope, God's call in our hearts. Come to salvation, come to me, and that starts a question. We're hungry, what am I hungry for? Faith, oh, what is faith? Oh, I declare, so I've declared and I follow God. I apply it to my life. But how did I get all this in the first place? Because love bought it. Because Jesus bought it. Salvation is bought and then lived by our actions and declaration of faith in God. Three things will last forever. Starts with hope, goes into action, and how did we get the two? Because it was bought with God's love. The only way we have eternal life at all 
is because of Jesus, because he bought the rope in the first place.